new covenant that God made with us. And I, I love how it's described in Ezekiel 36. And the Lord is, uh, in, in verse 7, he's telling, he's, he's about to go into the covenant, and he's saying, he says, I swear with uplifted hand that the nations around you will also suffer scorn. And he's, he goes into the covenant, but I had this picture of uh, God just saying, you know, how, you know, you're in court and they're asking you to raise your hand when you swear. And so it's like, I saw the Lord just like, listen, I, sw I swear I'm going to make this covenant come to pass. It reminded me of uh, my family, my dad and his brother and their relatives, whenever they're telling a story and you don't, and you don't believe it. You're like, you, you got to be kidding. They'll say, that's, that's the truth with my hand up. And then my, my Uncle Max, if you say, Uncle Max, no, you, you got to be joking. He says, just as sure as I'm ugly. He says, I'm telling the truth just as sure as I'm ugly. And so, but I, I just had this picture of the Lord just being like, that's the truth with my hand up. You know, and so, but he goes on to describe the, the new covenant. Verse 26 of Ezekiel 36, or starting in 24 rather, he says, I'll take you out of the nations, and I'll gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my, this is my favorite part, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The NASB says, I will put my spirit in you and cause you to follow my decrees. And so when you get full of the Holy Spirit, you can't help but follow God. But the key is like being full of Holy Spirit. And so, you know, the past few weeks, we've been talking about how to, how to be full of Holy Spirit because, uh, as Steve Fish always says, I don't know anybody who's got too much of Holy Spirit, all right? And so, the past uh, few weeks, we've been talking about how we've been born of God, that you were born of the Spirit when you've received Christ into your life. And so, you were born for Spirit-to-Spirit -spirit communion, and what happened when sin came into the ballgame is that flesh and knowledge of good and evil and all of these things interfered with that, with that relationship. Sin separated us from God. He, of course, sent Jesus to restore that relationship, to return us back to that original relationship that was established in the garden with Adam and Eve before sin came in. And so, um, and so we talk about being born of God, communing with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, three ways that uh, last week, just to refresh our memories, but last week there was three different ways, basically, that we commune with the Holy Spirit. One is meditating on his word. He's the author of the Bible. <laughs> so when we meditate on his word, uh, it's inviting the presence of God. The spirit of the Lord and the word of God are not separate. Jesus was the presence of God manifest on the earth. The literal bodily manifestation of God, the exact representation of God is what Hebrews 1.3 calls it. 
And so Jesus was walking, living, breathing, physical, able to touch him, God's presence. And he was called the Word of God. That was, that's his, one of his names. So the Word and the Spirit and the presence are not, are not separate, even though pe- people try to make it separate. We're a Word church. We're a Spirit church. At, no, those are both faults. You're either like following Holy Spirit, who's, he's a Word and Spirit guy, <laughs> because it's one and the same. Uh, secondly, we just dialogue with the Holy Spirit. We talk to him like he's our friend having conversation. You know, whenever, I think it's uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 where it says, pray at all times. What if you put substituted pray for commune at all times with God? I think that would help us understand it a little bit better because we, I, th- I know when I read pray in the spirit or pray at all times that I'm just, I automatically have this picture of intercession, like where I'm just like, you know, isolated and trying to pray as hard as I can. When really praying is as much about hearing as it is talking. And uh, I love to tell this story, but back when we had just first moved to Texas, we were out in Dallas, and this guy who was, who was deaf on the streets was begging for money. And I gave him some money, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to pray for his ears, but I didn't... Uh, I didn't pray for it, for his ears. I just, I kept going. And I was just, got in the car and I was like, rat farts, you know. And, uh, you know, I was all mad at myself. I was beating myself up on the way home. I got, I got home. I was just mad. I was mad that I disobeyed God, you know. And I was like, Ugh. And I was just, and it carried over to the next morning. I woke up mad at myself. And so I just was like, God, what's up with this? Why? Why can't I, like, obey you all the, like, 100%? Nobody does that. That was Jesus. (laughs) And so, uh, anyways, I was just, I was just, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, just filling God's ear up. And he interrupted me. And he said, Travis, I need to hear, you need to hear from me a lot more than I need to hear from you. I said, okay, I'm listening. And he said, you know obedience out of fear. I'm going to teach you obedience out of love. All right? And so you will always obey, go further in your obedience to God when you know how much he loves you than out of the fear of punishment. That is who God took, Jesus took the punishment. There's no condemnation in Christ. When you have that weight off of you, of that you're supposed to do something, you're actually free to do something. And so that is, that's the freedom of God. And we just, it's so foreign to us that God has to hammer it over and over and over in our, in our lives to get the message across. So um, I just felt like um, a lot of us have been worshiping like together for a long time, but some of us have not been. I mean, it's now kind of like 50-50. And so what, he, what Travis is talking about, that learning, like obedience out of love and not fear, um, this morning during worship, like the worship team like successfully put my youngest child to sleep. So maybe it's a little bit because she spent the night at her grandmother's, but it's like, um, so 
I don't know, a lot of us grew up in church where we like, worship is something that we do. You know, we like get up and we sing, like we do this thing. And so what we experienced this morning was something different, okay? And like some of us are kind of in this place right now because of what, what just happened that we're like, oh, I can't really like snap out of it. Like I kind of feel like I'm still sleepy and like I didn't, that worship was like a little hard and different because I didn't like, I, was, I didn't know what to do. Okay, I mean, some of you, it really isn't everybody, I get it. But if it's you, if you're, if you're like, yeah, that was kind of me, just hear me out. When you, when, they, when you go into the hospital to, like, have major surgery, what do they do to you first? They put you to sleep. Okay? So, like, the Lord is in the... When He wants to give you a new heart, when He wants to do what Travis read about, when He wants to teach you about something so sweet that your brain can't understand it, he will put you to sleep. Okay? And I'm just saying, don't let your brain try to wake your heart up right now. Because I don't think this is an accident. You know? Like, this wasn't like our plan for worship. (laughs) Um, And so, because you can't plan this kind of stuff. It just happens because it is Like, the Lord does that. So, don't try to snap out of it. Stay in this place and receive what the Lord has for you this morning. But so many of us are just so used to worshiping, and it's this thing we do, and we go through these motions, and it's this, and it's like we... But So, when it's different, and we don't get put to sleep often, because it's, you know, it's like, it's just every now and then. And so, you know, I feel that this morning. I'm like, I totally... My spirit is like in a place of kind of like being put to sleep. It's like under anesthesia. And that's good because the Lord is opening me up. He's given me a new heart. He's given me a, he's taking away part of my heart of stone and giving me a heart of flesh. It's too painful for me to do like, you know, awake. So I just wanted to encourage y'all to stay in that place. That's good, honey. I've been to... uh Nicaragua a couple or three times with Steve Fish back I guess his first trip was about seven years ago but we go down there and um, you know we the worship is like super energetic it's like Brazil if you've ever been down there it's just people are hopping popping you know they're not locking and everything you know but, but they, they just and so they uh, so they're I mean they're just Boom. And now, you know, after we had like this worship set where it was just bananas and I lean over to Steve and I was like, man, these people love to worship. And he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, it's great. And he, he said, but hey, you know, this particular group we were working with, he's like, they have trouble going to that, uh, that quiet place though. And I was like, really? And he, so Steve can lead worship in Spanish. He speak Spanish pretty well, not as good as Rachel or anything, but he's, he speaks pretty well. But uh, So Steve actually got up there on the keyboard. He's a good keyboard player, really good, and just started playing in keys and kind of leading some worship in Spanish, and it was that intimate, quiet moment, just like it was this morning. And uh, the first time that happened, this pastor's conference that we were ministering at, they were all 
kind of like looking around each other, like, what do we do? It's, we're not like bouncing around and this kind of thing. And so it's, but eventually they, they learned, they get, they entered in because actually like the quietness was a distraction. <laughs> and so whenever it's, and one of the things I've loved about the evolution of our worship here, where we started from an iPod, I mean, the original iPod, you know, like the little handheld one, Nano. And uh, we had a little, little uh, boom box. It was about this big. And we put on a worship set. And it was, you know, obviously not ideal. But you just start with what you have. And so you go from that place to where, you know, I asked, I asked Kyle one time, I said, describe our worship you know, if you had to describe it to somebody, how would you describe it? And, it's, and um, Kyle said, simple and sincere. I believe that's what you said. And, but it's, that's pretty much what it is. You know, it's simple and sincere. But a lot of the, there's not a lot to tantalize you with. There's not a big production. And so what that does is actually forces you to like, I'm either going to engage or not. I'm going to, you have a choice. I'm either, you know, because there's not a big show to like get lost in. You're either going to get lost in Jesus or you're not. You know, you're going you're gonna to feel like you're not connecting. But it's all about you making that choice of like to press in or not. And that's the way it is with the Lord. Because there's always, there's not um, always an emotion that's going to like sweep you into, into something. All right? We love that. I love God encountering my emotions. But then there's times where you just choose to worship God because he's worthy. And you open your mouth. Just like there's times you don't want to go to work. But you get up out of the bed. And if we, honored our, we honor our bosses like that, by I'm going to fight through sleepiness and go to work, we need to honor the Lord. And, um, and so it's, you know, we, he's worthy of that. And so it's just part of like the Lord even trains you that way. He's like, listen, I want to teach you to be able to worship me in any circumstance. Like he's about that. And so God is like, a, he's a good father. He's, he's all about like training you. He's a, he knows how to teach you how to ride a bike. He knows how to teach you how to jump on the trampoline and do a flip and all that. And he's just like the best at training. And he knows like what you need for the next step, you know, and so, you know, I think about, I've told Jessica many times, I've thought about with my children, I think down the road of like skills that they need. And sometimes I get it like overwhelmed because I'm like, I'm thinking they have to have all these skills at a certain time, but the Lord, and the Lord reminds me, he's like, there's a timing for every, like every kid is different. And so, but at the same time as a father, I'm thinking like how, I'm trying to prepare them to not get blown away by the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To not like let the world overwhelm them in any way. And so I want to train them and prepare them. And so a lot of times um, what it, the way it plays out is one of the biggest things, qualities of a person, and the Bible talks about this a lot, is about perseverance. Because if you don't quit, you win. 
And, and so like, I'll try, I'll be out there with my kids, you know, and if, after, if, if they're tired and they're like, can't walk anymore or something like that we're doing, I'm like, yeah, go, go in and rest. But if I feel like they're giving in a little too early, it's like, no, we're not, let's, let's keep doing this, all right? I'll help you. But we can't, like, we need to do this. Because you got to, like, teach them. And so, um, anyways, all that's to say, God's a good father. Somebody say amen. All right, so the third way that we commune with the Holy Spirit is praying in the Spirit or, or praying in tongues. Okay, and so we've been building up to this. So today we're going to be, I'm going to be teaching about tongues. And uh, it is a beautiful gift. I mean, that was, I titled my sermon, The Glorious Gift of Tongues. And because it is, it's, it's like been one of the most helpful, most useful, like practical, practical gifts of the Holy Spirit. Most people don't think of tongues as a practical gift. It's mystical. And like you get beamed up by Scotty and, and tongues happens. You know, and so like you just, but it is the most practical and sometimes the most unsupernatural feeling thing that you can do. And so I'm going to get into all that. Because when you pray in the Spirit, this is, uh, I love it. When you pray in the Spirit, you are praying perfectly. Because who is praying through you? Holy Spirit. You are, praying, you are in perfect agreement with heaven. You are in perfect agreement with Jesus and the Holy Spirit who are interceding on your behalf. That is good news. So you're, you are in distress. You, you are so, your mind is getting overwhelmed with so many anxious thoughts, you don't know what to do. Pray in the Spirit. You're like, I'm in a place I can't even hear God. Pray in the Spirit. Beautiful. That's overcoming. I love that. I'm excited. So there's three types of tongues. Number one is the foreign language, where you actually speak in the foreign language. If I went to Nicaragua and I got up and I asked the Lord to help me, I was like, Lord, I love Spanish. It didn't happen. But I get up and I start speaking in Spanish. I actually went the reverse. I was like butchering Spanish. I was like, the first time I went to Nicaragua, I, was, I went, hola. And they, you know... Everybody like laughed and chuckled, and I said my name. And then we went to uh, Mexico, and I s introduced myself in Spanish, my name, and all, you know, 500 high schoolers laughed at me. And you know, so it was just, you know, I d it was good. It was good, though. So foreign language for the purpose of ministering the gospel. This Acts chapter 2, Pentecost came. All the, the disciples in the upper room, they started speaking in foreign languages, and because people had come, uh, all the Jews from the surrounding nations that spoke in the different tongues and different languages were there. And they hear these men, everybody having their own language uh, preached to them, uh, the gospel preached to them in their own language. And so that still happens today. I know a guy who was doing a radio interview in Los Angeles and he was on a Christian, or, uh, yeah, he was on a Christian radio show. And he started praying in a tongue. This lady called in. She said, I was listening to the radio show 
with my sister. I'm from Russia. And uh, you just outlined, you just told me how to receive Jesus in Russian. You know, there's uh, many times missionaries, they go to a, a tribe, a dialect that's only, that's unique to these 200 people. And that, that nobody even really knows that language. Get up and they'll preach in that dialect that's only unique to 200 people. So it still it happens today, you know. And um, so that's, that's one type. The second type is the corporate tongue that is interpreted for the purpose of edifying the church. And so um, sometimes I'll, I've been praying in tongues just personally up here during church, and I'll feel like there's a message in the tongues. And so it's only happened a few times since I've been pastoring the awakening, but I'll pray in the microphone, the tongues, and then I'll give an interpretation. Somebody else can give an interpretation, all right? Um, at Convergence, we had it happen, you know, many times where one lady was praying in tongues. Steve Fish gave an interpretation for it, you know, but this is the most unfamiliar with, with the church right now. It's probably coming back strong at some point. But this is the most unfamiliar. And, you know, when I was in seminary, the president of our seminary was preaching on tongues. And he basically, what he, the sum of what he said is like the only type of tongue there is is a corporate tongue and there has to be an interpretation. And he was talking about that any other tongue was not really biblical. And then I had this thought, I was like, how do you know how something works if you've never used it? What if I tried to tell Matt how to drive a tractor that I've never driven? What if I tried to teach somebody how to shoot basketball and I've never shot a basketball? So that was one, I was just like, well, you got to know what you're talking about. You know, it just can't be like reading instructions. You got to at least try to like dive into it. And so the corporate tongue, um, <laughs> you know, we... Anyways, I could give a bunch of a lot of stories about that, but it, it is the most one, the one that's the most unfamiliar in the church, okay? And we could talk about that, and I'll go into a little bit more. The third type of tongue is the personal prayer language, and this is the one I want to focus on. And because these past three weeks have been about communion with the Holy Spirit. So the personal tongue... Is, a, is one for edification, to build yourself up. You build your spirit man up when you do this, all right? It's for edifying the individual and making intercession. So one, 1 Corinthians 4, 4 says, a man who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. All right, so. So debunking lies about tongues. Prophecy is better than tongues, so why bother with tongues at all? Man, that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, right? He said, I'd rather you prophesy than give, you know, one word in prophecy than a thousand words in the tongues. So what is he talking about? So it's not denouncing tongues, but rather just giving guidelines for corporate tongues. 1 Corinthians 14 is about corporate tongues. And so what was happening in the Corinthian church is you had a very gifted church. You had, and you had a, a culture where women 
were actually held greater authority and esteem than men. So that's why, so what was happening was, just imagine uh, if you've ever had, been around our, our little ones, there's times where they try to talk over each other. They interrupt each other. And when they do that, you can't understand. Me and Jessica are like, our brains just get fried and scrambled. They're like, hey, hey, will you play with me? I, I need some juice. I have milk. Hey, hey, Dad, watch this. And you're like, you just short circuit. So that's, that's what was happening in the Corinthian church. People were getting up. You know, and so and Paul's just like, listen, listen, one person at a time. Take turns. All right. There needs to be an interpretation because you have an unbeliever there. They need to understand what's going on. I'd rather you prophesy to an unbeliever because when they hear, when the things of their heart are exposed, they fall down and praise God. All right? And so, and so what was mainly happening was that the women were doing this because they actually, because the, one of the chief uh, Greek gods was Athena and other goddesses that held a lot of power in that culture. And so women were like highly esteemed, actually had, was, you know, it wasn't a man, uh, male chauvinistic culture. Women had high esteem. So that's even why later in 1 Corinthians 14, he's giving guidelines for how, for the women. He's like, listen now, y'all need to calm it down. Okay. So the Corinthian church was trying to talk over one another. And he can, this, the message to the Corinthian church can be summarized in, as this. Speak in tongues as much as possible, but not in a manner that will disrupt the corporate meanings. Okay? That makes sense? All right. So this, but I want to say this. Disruption does not equal what makes you uncomfortable. All right? So... You can't blame so your neighbor is praying in a personal tongue while, they're, while you're worshiping. If you sit next to me, you will hear tongues during worship. You sit next to somebody else in here. I know a few people would like to do that as well. You can't be like, that is uh, disrupting me. It's disrupting me. No, they're praying. They're not like making a scene or anything like that. That's their personal prayer language. They can do that. Okay? And so if it makes... Your uncomfortable ability with tongues does not qualify as disruption. There is a difference. All right. Got that clear. Tongues is supposed to overwhelm you, and you will have no choice but to pray. Now, there are rare occasions that this happens, but it doesn't happen to somebody who's not really wanting it. You understand? So I know uh, John Sanford, Elijah House founder. He was praying for, for months and months and months for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then one night he woke up in the middle of the night, sat up, and was just praying in tongues when he woke up. But he was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was seeking tongues, okay? I know another lady, she just... She had been baptized in the Holy Spirit at church, and she went home, took a shower, and while she was in the shower, tongues just started coming out. And so she was seeking, all right? So, like, if you don't want it, like, God doesn't give, like, his treasures to people who don't want it, all right? 
And it's, it's like Graham Cook says, he says, you know, God doesn't like reveal the costly, precious things to the casual Christian. Right? He gives it to those who are seeking his face because he rewards those who seek him. So to speak in tongues is a conscious, rational, 95% of the time choice. That, I took a, a poll, and that's a, a legitimate percentage. I gave you some examples. Uh, so you may feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray in tongues, but you can always choose whether or not to cooperate. So we had, uh, we first moved back to Georgia. We had some Jehovah's Witnesses knock on our door in Farmington. And uh, it was a young black man, and he had somebody who was, seemed to be an elder of some sort to this guy who was kind of standing in the background basically uh, checking out what this guy was going to say, you know, just kind of if he was saying the right things. So he, got, he came to the door, was talking to me, and I invited him back. I said, hey, man, we're about, we're about to leave, but come back and see me. I was like, and then I was like, we can talk. I'd like to talk to you some more. He came back the next week, and... I started asking him, I asked him a questions about now, you, you know, Jesus and Michael, the archangel, are basically the same people to y'all, right? Is, is that right? You know, I'm, and he's like, well, well, uh, let, let me get back to you. And so third time he came back, he came back with a high-ranking official in the Jehovah's Witness Church. And uh, we started asking him questions that would, you know, basically call out the, the deception of that. And this, and this guy, so I asked this young man to answer a question, and this elder took over for him. He just, he just started answering for this guy. And, and well, when he started doing that, Jessica was washing dishes, and she just started, it was like, like you're about to throw up. You could hold it back, but you just better let it out. She's like, went off in tongues, all right? Because, you know, there was something that was on this guy that wasn't, that wasn't light. It was dark. And we had, you know, we got our kids in the house and stuff like that. And not that they're going to, like, jump on the kids or anything, but the Lord just prompted Jessica to do that. And so we followed the Holy Spirit, you know. And uh, then I ended up prophesying over that guy. I said, you're going to preach the true gospel one day. And... Uh, they left. So, <laughs> so praying in tongues is similar to the choice to sing. All right? This is a good way to think about this. So when you choose to sing, you're just, you know, same voice. Same wind coming over the vocal cords. But you make a choice to sing. Tongues is the same way. It's a choice. I'm going to pray in tongues now. Boom. I'm going to sing now. Boom. It's just, that's the choice. You, so you have a choice. But there's times where the song rises up in you. So there's been times in worship where I'm just like, the only way that I can really express myself is to get it out in tongues. So obviously... You know, you can take any tune. You don't have to have, like, songwriting ability. You know, you, 
You know the song, Lord, I'll give you my heart. You know that brand new worship song that's just come out? <laughs> so you're like, you know, you just go with that. And then there's, you know, you just, it's just following the Holy Spirit. It's just good times. Everybody say, everybody say good times. All right. Come on. Who doesn't want tongues? Come on. Another lie. Tongues are demonic. That might be the most unbiblical statement ever made. You read your Bible? I mean, come on. I'll just leave it at that. That's just straight up unbiblical. God actually chose to birth the New Testament church through the gift of tongues. When the Holy Spirit came, tongues of fire over their heads. And then, what happened? The foreign language tongues came. And they preached the gospel in foreign tongues. I mean, the New Testament, and then they had 3,000 believe that day. There's, God was like, I need, I'm just going to get a good foundation of believers to start this thing off, and I'm gonna, I need tongues to get this thing off right. So tongues came and birthed the New Testament church. To me, it must be pretty important. And I think actually what's going to happen is like the church age ends, which I don't know when that is, and Jesus gets ready to come back to earth and reign for a thousand years on the earth before Father comes down and makes his throne on the earth. Come on. Isn't that good? Just thinking about that. That at, at, towards the end of the church age, that tongues is going to come back and help, it, it help birth the church, and it's going to help uh, basically end the church age into the millennial kingdom of Jesus. All right? That's, that's what I, I feel my spirit man. So tongues offends the carnal mind. God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. It's, it is offensive, especially when you're trying to do it. And, and so this, this whole morning is like, I want you, I want all the lies to be swept away and I want you to realize that this is, this is a, a truly a gift from God that every believer can walk in if you want to. And I said it last week. It's like if, if you, no, nobody's getting kicked out of the awakening if you don't pray in tongues. Like, we're going to love you. Like, we, this, we don't gather around doctrine. We gather around relationships. Okay. And so I want to put that out there, but I also am, am giving you what I think is, you know, because our job, as Jessica said, our, our mission statement is to equip a community to release heaven on earth. And I just think this is a key for doing that, equipping you and helping release heaven on earth. So God has chosen the seemingly foolish, weak, and insignificant things to accomplish his will on earth. Tongues seems foolish. But God uses those things to establish his kingdom. He uses the weak. He, you know, when you're weak, he is strong. He uses foolish things. The things that, that people mock. 
you know, even this past uh, Easter, we, me and some of the guys carried crosses, and I had a bunch of crosses in a trailer behind my car, and one of my neighbors, like, saw the crosses, and he, uh, he just, like, started laughing, like, in a, in a mocking way. And I just was like, Lord, have mercy on him because God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so, like, I, I'm asking the Lord to have mercy on him. The Lord wants to have mercy on him, you know. He doesn't wish that any should perish. But, he's, but what he's doing is he sees that as weak, as foolish. And so that's, but God uses those things to establish his kingdom. A key is you need to come as a child. So humility is the only way into God's kingdom. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9 says, my, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. In Luke 10, 21, Jesus said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. He said, you know, there's a scripture in Jeremiah that says, not let, not, don't let the mighty man boast in his might or the wise man boast in his wisdom, no, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he knows me. And so that is the key. When, our, when you stack your wisdom up next to God's, uh, it doesn't even register on the scale. <laughs> so like we need to submit to him even when we don't understand. Corey Russell said this about tongues. He said, could it be that the gift has stirred some of the greatest debate and division with the body of Christ is actually the greatest key to unlocking the power of God in the church in these last days? Could it be that the devil has worked overtime to make this a point of contention because he understands the power it will release? The enemy doesn't spend his energy on things that don't matter, but on the realities that can potentially destroy his kingdom. This is why I believe the subject of our prayer language has so much warfare around it. And so a little bit about the journey of my, of my tongue's journey was, you know, uh, just didn't know much about it up until about the age of 23 when I started reading the Bible for myself. When I started reading the Bible, I was, I was reading through Acts. You know, I knew about water baptism. And uh, the Holy Spirit at that point was just kind of like a force. You know, he wasn't really a person. And but I was reading, especially in Acts 8 and Acts 19, where these, came across these disciples that said, you know, we, we know who Jesus is. And, they, and Paul said, well, do you know, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Or do you know the Holy Spirit? And they're like, no, we haven't even heard of that. And Paul said, he, you know, they were baptized in the bap baptism of even John, it says in Acts 19. And then he baptized them in water, laid hands on them, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is not a one-time thing, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You could call it being filled up with the Spirit. Like we need to just constantly be getting dipped <laughs> in the river <laughs> because you pour out God has unlimited anointing that's what it said about Jesus he has unlimited presence unlimited spirit 
And so you come to him and you get filled up, they're overflowing, just like last week when I said you, you stick your, your cup in a river. Instant overflow. And so that's what we do. And so there's multiple, we're supposed to regularly encounter Holy Spirit and be filled up and just overflowing. And when, it, when, when if you've ever been in a place where you just, you're like full of the Holy Spirit, it feels like you, you just, man, I just want to, I just want to hug on somebody. Man, I, that person needs a prophetic word. I, you're not even scared. You're just going over this. Hey, man, Jesus loves you, brother. Let me, let me tell you something. And you just, woo. And it's not, you just, you know, somebody's like, no, that's okay. I don't, I want to hear from God. Bless you. Bless you. You just like, you can't be offended. There's no fear. And then, you know, you start, you start petering out. You got to go back to the feet of Jesus. Get filled up again. Let him lay his hands on you. So baptism of the Holy Spirit after salvation. So what happened with the disciples when they're after Jesus was resurrected? They're all hanging out at somebody's house. Jesus walked through the walls. Now, this is what you, this is a sneak preview of your glorified body. This is just another level ten mind blown. Jesus's body was physical. He said. Thomas touched the holes, buddy. And then he just walked through a wall. <laughs> Physical body. That's glory body right there, man. Exactly. That's what a glorified body is going to do. That's just extra, okay? I just, I just love that. But... So they're all in the room. They're waiting on Jesus. Says Jesus breathed on them, and they were what happened? Filled with the Holy Spirit, came and resided in them. So that should be it, right? No, Jesus said, "Wait and tarry until I send help from on high." And that's when they prayed. They gathered, and that's when Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, was released on the believers. And then, so they not only had the work of regeneration inside of them, the Holy Spirit giving them a new spirit, a new heart. Now they were overflowing with the Holy Spirit and were equipped to go out and minister in power. Where like it said of Stephen, it says, find men who are full of, the wis of wisdom and the spirit. And so Stephen would get up. He wasn't a disciple. Jesus had just died, and yet this guy was able to preach the gospel to the leaders and the rulers and authorities, and it said they were not able to contend with the words with which he spoke. That's what Holy Spirit does for you. Fernando, just brand new baby believer in Bolivia during the revival, been a believer for three weeks, gets asked to preach because they were all brand new believers. And he says, I don't, I don't know what to do. 
And so they, his, his uh, friend said, just open your mouth and, he, and God will fill it. So he stood up on the stage like this for five minutes. That's a long time. People staring at him. And then all of a sudden, all these words started to come out. And he's preached for about 45 minutes. And somebody came up to him afterwards and says, every single word you said was scripture. He hadn't even had a chance to read the Bible. (laughs) Holy Spirit. And so, Jesus breathed on them filled with the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So you think about this. You're a glass full of water. That's what happens upon salvation. Then baptism, the Holy Spirit's like sticking that full glass of water into a full pitcher of water. Does that make sense? Full glass, Holy, baptism, Holy Spirit, gets, you get put in a pitcher where you're surrounded by water. You're overflowing, all right? And so in Acts chapter 8, it says, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. This is one of the scriptures that was messing me up back in the day. For he had not yet fallen fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So when I read that for the first time, I was like, Yes, there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so Jessica and I had uh, just gotten married. And I'd already been having like visions and, and encounters with God. But I, I was just like, I want, I want more. Like there's more. I want more. So we went to this conference. It was the first charismatic conference we ever went to. I got offended big time. And so... Uh, it was up in Nashville. I mean, the first night of worship, the lady had a 50-foot pole with a line of Judah flag on it with a flag holster. And she, you know, she's having to lean back like this and waving around, and she's just doing, that, Yeah, I would have called that a distraction back then. And so there's a... Heaven forbid there's children on the worship stage with their daddy leading worship. Now, that's, I mean, come on. Kids. Put them away, all right? Then there's people in the altar area dancing around, acting like fools. Come on. What about that? They're just dancing. They don't even, you know, it wasn't even good dancing. I mean, come on. What are these people thinking? Then, then I, you know, at that time, I was like, dancing is biblical. Don't put the children away. Raise up a banner. Ah, all right, I guess it's legit. Okay, so. And so, uh, but anyways, I was, at the same time, I was like, man, I want to be, I want the Holy Spirit. I want to baptize the Holy Spirit. I would go down. I couldn't find anybody. I was just, we were between sessions at the conference, and the guy that was hosting the conference I found him, he's like, hey, hey, this is what you do when you're hungry. You inconvenience people. And so, like, you, you, uh, I was like, hey, man, you got a second? And he, he's like, uh, yeah, what, what do you need, man? I said, dude, I just, I want baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's like, 
all right, cool. He's like, I got, I got like 10 minutes. Let's go. So we went to his room. Jessica went in there with me. And he said, uh, he said all right, we're just going to, you know, just going to ask Jesus to baptize you. He's the baptizer. I was like, all right, he is. And so we, uh, you know, sat, me and Jessica sat down beside each other. He was sitting across from us. He's like, Jesus, ask right now, just release the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, right, and when that happened, I felt like, felt like somebody was pouring oil over my head. I mean, it was thick, viscous, the word of the day, viscous. And so it was slowly going over my head all the way down to my feet. And I just felt like I was like lifting up out of my seat. And I, I actually opened my eyes because I was like, am I floating? And then, uh, but I wasn't. And so I look over at Jessica and Jessica's in glory land too. She's just like, and Jessica had already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. She's got a second baptism. <laughs> You're allowed to do that. And so he, and so we're just like, oh, man, we're in it thick. And he says, all right, now, it's going to lead you to pray in tongues. All right, on the count of three, just pray in tongues. <laughs> then he went, one, two, three, and he's just started machine gun tongues. <laughs> and, and me and Jessica doing, uh, And he was like, all right, great, it's good to see you guys. You know, he like just left. And I mean, he literally, I guess he literally had 10 minutes, you know, so we, he had to go. And um, so we get back in the car and I was just like, all right, I know, I mean, I, I definitely baptized in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes like different things happen when people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not always like that. Sometimes it's like peace. Sometimes there's, you, I mean, people rolling around on the floor laughing or sometimes, you, you know, there's not that much sensation to it. But you like, it's all about believing because why would God hold something? Why would he hold the Holy Spirit back? Why doesn't he not want to give that to you? All right. And so I got in the car and I was like, mock you. Mock you. Oh, man, I'm making this up. Mackie. What is that? Mackie. And I just, I was like, I, you know, me and, Je and Jessica's kind of the same way. She's like, I, I don't know if I, we really prayed in tongues or not. Did that happen? You know, and so, I mean, we had, you know, we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we're just, we're like, is it? I don't know. And so for a year and a half, we didn't, pray in the, we didn't pray in tongues. We moved to Texas. And one of the uh, new member classes at Convergence was Holy, it's just called Holy Spirit. And it's where uh, Steve Fist just goes, just has his way, you know, with the, along with the Holy Spirit, because that's like his favorite thing to teach on, because it gets wild and crazy. And... Um, so he was praying for baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I told him, I said, man, we've been baptized, Jessica and I, we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But we tried to pray in tongues. You know, we just, we just had a hard time, like, praying in tongues. And so he said, 
oh, that's, that's great. That's great. You know, and, um, and so he's like, all right, just stand up. If you y'all have to meet Steve first, that face will make a lot more sense. And so he's like, God, he's like, I just release, a, you know, I got to watch this guy for like six straight years, you know, every Sunday morning. So, so anyways, he's praying for us. He says, all right, I'm just going to pray in tongues. And you just, he's like, if you could just get even one word, he's like, just keep going with that. All right. And so he's praying for me. He's just, and he's just coaching me through it, man. It's just, he just coached me. That's all there was to it. So I started getting the words like, Mikina, Mikina. He's like, that's good, that's good, that's good. All right, all right, keep saying it. Makina, 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 Makina Shu. Makina Shu. Yeah, yeah, Holy Spirit, more words, more words. Makina Shu. And, he, and, and meanwhile, he's just got his hands on me, and he's praying in tongues too while I'm praying. And he's like, Makina Shu, Makina Shu. He's like, all right, get louder with it. And uh, there's a like 30 people in this room. Uh, Makina, sh- Makina show. Makina show. Makina show. Makina show. Louder. Makina show. Makina show. Louder. Makina show. Makina show. And then, like, what happened was, because I was like, man, I, everybody's going to hear me. I'm going to look like a fool. My mind was like trying to put the brakes on. And my spirit man was like, go with it, dude. Just go with it. This is so good. I'm getting built up right now. And so he, and so I just was like, man, tired of it. And I just went, you know, I yelled full throttle. And then more words started coming because I didn't care anymore. And I, I started getting a phrase. And I didn't care who heard me. That is the key. The fear of man is a snare. It will hold you back. That's why Steve Fish was telling me to get loud. And he even told me, he said, you got to break. He said, you can't be scared. You got to break it off. And so that's where I started going for it. Started praying in tongues. And then he said, and then he told me something very helpful. He's like, now listen devil doesn't want you to, to, to have tongues. He's going to try to lie to you. All right? And so when he like, tries to lie to you, you just pray in tongues more. All right? And so, sure enough, next two or three weeks, I'd be in my living room praying in tongues. Nothing supernatural, no emotions, no presence of God, and I'm just praying in faith. And then he would, I'd hear the devil, I was like, man, you're just making this up, dude. Because it would feel so natural or unsupernatural that I thought I was making it up. And then I just would go into more tongues. And then after two or three weeks, I discouraged the devil and he left me alone. Because you get to do that. You get to discourage the devil. And so in Acts 19, basically the same thing. He says, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who is coming after him. That is in Jesus. And earlier they said, we haven't even heard of whether there's a Holy Spirit. 
When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. All right. 1 Samuel, I've been reading through 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 10.6, Samuel's telling Saul, like, now these are the signs that you're confirmed as king. The Spirit of the God is going to rush upon you, and you're going to start prophesying, and you're going to turn into another man. Woo! Yes. I want to turn into Jesus. <laughs> and the Spirit of God will rush on me. I want to be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't care. I, I tell God, I was like, God, if more of you means I can have to hop on one leg all the days of my life when I preach, I'll do it. If, because no, nobody's going to care, including me. Because the anointing is going to be there. And so, like, I just want more of God. I've had friends who, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they were out in the Holy Spirit. Mark Snyder, who's been to Athens before, got to get him back. But he was crawling on his back underneath chairs while he was out in the Spirit. He had no recollection. And then somebody told him afterwards, he was like, dude, you were, like, crawling under the chairs. He's like, what? what? He's like, what was going on? He's like, man, I was just like, had this, in, I was with Jesus, like in this, like, there was this waterfall, and this, he was just having a moment with Jesus, but in the meantime, he's like crawling on his back. Why does God do that? Because he doesn't want you trusting in this thing right here. All right, unlocking mysteries. Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For one who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Mysteries, uh, what tongues does, it helps unlock mystery, the, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And mysteries are not things hidden from us, but rather are hidden for us. Does that make sense? Mysteries are not to be like, oh, you don't get this. It's meant to be like, hey, come, come in closer. Come closer. Holy Spirit reveals truth. He reveals the Trinity. He reveals the future. He reveals glories of the ages to come. And praying in the Spirit is critical to engaging in the revelatory realm. And so what all that means is whenever I pray in the Spirit, God shows me new stuff a lot more often than when I'm not. About Him, about His Word, about His ways. You strengthen yourself when you pray in tongues. So he who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. There's a story of a small church in the countryside of Bolivia. They're all agrarian workers. But what they try to do is they try to pray in the spirit as a church as often as, as much as they can throughout the day, even in their separate walks of life. And so there's one man who works in a soybean field, and he, he, he's on the tractor all day. So while he's on the tractor all day, he's just praying in tongues all day because he's, he's probably like me where you can't like think about two things at the same time. And so he's just praying in the spirit all day, every day. One day he goes to his friend's house. He opens the door and his friend had hung himself. And the stench from the dead body was overwhelming. And he was gruesome. He was bloated. And he wanted to run away from that situation. But he felt the Holy Spirit tell him, like, cut him down and pray for him. So he cut him down, pray for him. And then, you know, there would be times where he's just like, oh, man, this is so stinky. This wasn't a mighty minister 
you know, big name minister or a man of God, or all that, whatever you want to call somebody who has a very prominent uh, public ministry. So he just, he just started praying in the, in the spirit over this guy. And then he heard the Holy Spirit say, I command him to, to live. And he says, I command you to live. And he spoke it a few times and the guy went, <clears throat> and he said it freaked both of them out. He said, he was like, this dude's bloated. Like, he's, he's been dead for a while. And he shares, and then the Holy Spirit says, tell him about me. He shares the gospel with him. This guy, this guy who had committed suicide became a believer in Jesus after being raised from the dead. And yeah, and so like, that was because this guy had the strength of spirit not to run away from the situation and to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit in that situation. And it all came through building yourself up through tongues because that's all he did. <laughs> so, but you, beloved, Jude chapter one, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith and the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of Christ. You keep yourself in the love of Christ when you pray in the Spirit. That's good. That's a good thing. Okay? If we are honest, many of us would admit that we're living defeated lives because our spirits are weak. We're powerless to resist the enemy because we're allowing our emotions, our appetites, and our circumstances to run our lives. And so like a really good antidote to that, praying in the Spirit. I don't have great prayers. Mine are simple. When I, I, I'm a very simple man. And I'm simple when I talk to God. And there's lots of times I don't know what, this, what to talk to God about. And so I pray in the Spirit. And I know I'm praying perfectly. And that I'm in communion and that I'm being built up in my, in my spirit, man, and in my faith. It's a weapon of war. If you begin to pray in the spirit for extended periods of time, you will see the power of the enemy broken in your life. You'll find your resolve divinely strengthened and you'll see your appetites alter and the desire for holiness increase. So when we pray in the spirit, we're building up our defense system. We're constructing a force field around ourselves in the spirit. Proverbs 25, 28 says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. There's a, uh, another story of a man uh, that uh, he was, his sister had been in a bad car accident and he was in his car on the way to the hospital and he was like, I, he said, I just declare that she, she will live and not die. She will live and not die. And he kept hearing this voice that she's going to die. She's going to die. She's going to die. He's like, no, she, she will live and not die. She will live and not die. He kept saying, she's going to die. She's going to die. And, it was, and so he, he's like, God, help me. He started praying in the spirit. And when he prayed in the spirit, he saw uh, there was like this demon on his shoulder speaking into his ear, these lies. And so he, he started praying in tongues. And when he said he started praying in tongues, he saw the demons like, we don't understand what he's saying. It's burnt. It hurts to hear these words. And they were, they were being tormented, basically, by tongues. And they left him. And whenever he, he kept praying in tongues, the, the lies kept leaving. And uh, his sister 
ended up getting healed, leaving the hospital. And so that's another thing I like about it is that it's a language that the enemy doesn't understand. It's a language that torments him. <laughs> so it's a good thing. So who can speak in tongues? Every believer. Do all speak in tongues? Because that, I mean, that's the scripture. What verse 12 is talking about in 1 Corinthians is referring to ministries appointed to people in the church. Ministries. Not like personal gifts, okay? So the fact that all are not teachers does not negate the fact that God can use all believers to teach. Would we all agree on that? All right. So, the fact that not all are called the ministry of tongues, like corporate tongues or even the foreign tongues, does not negate the fact that all can pray in tongues for personal edification. Does that make sense? No. So, helpful tips for tips, oops, <laughs> tips for tongues. Speaking in tongues is not mystical, but natural. Speaking in tongues is like shifting gears, like going from talking to singing, like what I was talking about earlier. Speaking in tongues can seem so natural, unsupernatural, that Satan will accuse you that it's not real. And sometimes praying in tongues is like an electric fence. And so, um, you know, even sometimes you'll hear people, they'll be in the middle of preaching and they'll, they'll say like a, a tongue phrase. And what's happening is they're feeling like the anointing and the presence of God. And, uh, and me and Bob Johnson were actually talking about this thing. He's like, yeah, he's like, it's like when you, he says, sometimes it's like the Holy Spirit's like touching an electric fence. You're just like, yeah, you know, if you turn your Bible, whoa! And then, you know, so like a tongue comes out. And, you know, there's, they're just in that place of being so full of the Holy Spirit that it just kind of, it just is flowing out in the, midst, in the midst of ministry. And so, you know, that's one thing that, you know, as I know some people have like a question about that. It's like, well, what about when they, you know, do this? And it's like, well, it's just, I've always told them, it's like, you just want to flow with the Holy Spirit. So if he like wants to say like a word, you know, you're not giving this long discourse or anything like that. So, but it's a lot of times just like the Holy Spirit will make people roar like lions and roll around in the floor. You know, Baptists actually used to be called holy rollers. The very, they, were, they were the charismatics of the 1700s. And so, Lord, do it again. <laughs> but they were the ones that were like, those, those Baptists, the, the holy rollers. Because the reason they're called holy rollers is because they rolled in the aisles on the, in the Holy Spirit. They would be overcome with laughter. Or they'd be like Mark Snyder crawling on his back. They're like, those holy rollers. So that's, that's where holy rollers comes from. Just a little FYI. So sometimes praying in tongues is like touching an electric fence, okay? And so um, getting coached up in tongues. Try to sing in tongues first. It can bypass some of your mind's defenses. Many times when people first start praying in tongues, you only have one word or phrase. Like I was, it's like learning a new language. I don't have a full vocabulary when I'm learning a new language. And sometimes you, it sounds like you're talking baby talk. Well, that's how do babies start talking when you learn a language? It's baby talk. All right? So you don't worry about that. You get one word, you get a two or three word phrase, just go with that until God gives you more. Get loud. 
This overcomes your fear of man. Your hunger has to overwhelm your fear. And then you can borrow somebody else's tongues till you get your own. So if I say, all right, repeat this. Hikina mosho. I do this with my children. And I say, all right, just go to town on that. Hikina mosho. And then they'll start praying. <laughs> start getting another word. So with my children at night, I'm tucking them in the bed, and we play this game called Shaba. And they ask me for it. They're like, Dad, let's play Shaba. I say, all right. And so I say, Mikina. And they just repeat it back. Makina. Hokoshi. Hokoshi. Manina. Manina. Shigi Baba. Shigi Baba. And then I, you know, and so and I said, you know what, what Shaba is, right? And I asked Lydia, I told him before, and she's like, yeah, it's like angel language. I was like, yep, it's angel language. I said, but it's a way we get to talk to God. I was like, that's pretty cool. You get to talk in an angel language? She's like, yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> she's borrowing my tongues, but I'm just sewing later down the line when she's just walking in on her own, under her own choice, but I'm, I'm just wanting to sew tongues into her life in a simple way, but she's just, she's just borrowing my tongues. And so you can do that. You're like, you know, I'm, I'm getting stuck. Well, borrow somebody else's. Shikina, 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 Shikina. And then you're going to get, you're going to get it. I'm going to tell you, you're going to get it. All right. How about you stand up? I would say the last thing about coaching is to practice. And so um, I had a five-minute drive to work um, when I lived in Fort Worth, and I would pray in the Spirit all the way there and all the way home, five minutes. And just practice. I'm in my car by myself. I'm the only one to offend. And so <laughs> um, I asked the Lord for a phrase, and I just said that phrase over and over and over again. Um, and this is one of those things, like, we do that with our kids, but we also, when they have a tummy ache, we, we pray for their healing, you know? Because, like, tongues is, is in that same category as healing. It's, like, a part of what we get as children. And so um, this is not like, like Travis said, it's, uh, um, it's not something that we're like, you have to do this. If you do this, it will build your spirit up, you know? That's true. But... Um, it's something that you get to do. It gets to be a part of your intimacy. And so, and we would love to help you in any way with that on your journey, or even for you to share. Some of you have been hurt by this topic, um, and some of you have, um, have been on the hurt-er side, where you were the one who hurt, and maybe you need to repent, or maybe you need to forgive. And so, that's a huge deal, because if you've been, like, um, offended by it, like, it, it will be very freeing to forgive. Um, and if you have, um, if you've kind of grown deaf to it, it'll be um, really key for you to repent. Because um, I'll say, as the church, we, we do a horrible job of teaching about this. I mean, we teach people how to read their Bible, you know, but we don't teach people about this. And we just kind of put a lot of... Um, opinion on it and teach just little pieces so um so we'll we would love to hear where you are in that process and 
believe me, we've all been on our own journey, just like Travis shared his. So it's okay wherever you are. Um, if what Travis said today, like, really, really bothered you, that's totally okay with us. So the ministry team is going to be over here, and they won't be offended at all if you tell them, like, this was the worst sermon I ever heard, and I don't, I don't agree. Like, that's totally fine, but it'll be really awesome if you can share that um, so that, like, the Lord can have his way in your heart. Um, that's what we care about, and that you are built up and that you leave here, like, with your glass really full. And some of us just pour out all the time, but we don't ever refill. And that's a very weary place to be. So, um, so please come let us love on you.